And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Welcome to the Success Story Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Clary. On this podcast, I have candid interviews with execs, celebrities, politicians, and other notable figures, all who have achieved success through both wins and losses, to learn more about their life, their ideas, and their insights. I sit down with leaders and mentors and unpack their story to help pass those lessons on to others through both experiences and tactical strategy for business professionals, entrepreneurs, and everyone in between. Without further ado, another episode of the Success Story Podcast. All right. Uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, today, I am sitting down with uh, Lan Belenke, who is the co-creator and uh, general manager of Bosha. Um, now, Lan was born and raised in her young te- until her young teens in Japan, um, which is uh, the infamous center of skincare innovation. Lan was fascinated by uh, the beauty trends and tactics she was continuously exposed to, um, mesmerized and reminiscent of her grandmother's uh, six-step beauty ritual and her aunt's unique product application pro- uh, practices, uh, the allure of the beauty world naturally beckoned. Uh, in spring of 96, Lan moved to the U.S. with her father uh, and Bosha founder, um, Jen Inomata, uh, so he could realize his dream of bringing Japanese influenced skincare to the States. So let's fast forward a few years. Uh, so uh, his dream was realized. Bosha was born. Land, uh, Land attended university, graduated with a degree in business marketing. Um, basically, while going to school, spending as much time as possible helping grow the business, grow the brand. Um, it has... Uh, it has done exceedingly well since its inception. Obviously, um, when I first uh, when I first was excited about doing this interview, I was speaking to my spouse, and she is like, "Yes, you gotta get her on." Like I use I use I use Bosha all the time. Um, I obviously I didn't know the brand as well, but after doing a little bit of research, uh, what I like to do is to frame it up for people that are listening who are uh, not so tuned in like myself. I looked at uh, all the accolades, and I wanted to name a couple accolades. But I, I went to the website and there was Women's Health, Cosmo, CNN, uh, Us, Yahoo, Vogue, Pop Sugar, Harper's, L, InStyle, People. And that was like the first 10 in 2019 of a list of about 100. And that list went on to 2002 or back all the way to 2002. So like this is just a little bit of a, a, a precursor for how successful they've been. So Lan, I really appreciate you joining. Um, I, I really, really am excited to discover, you know, your story, uh, how you've built this company over the years, and and I guess just to learn a little bit more about uh, what's driven you to to be to be the Bosha that we I guess we all use today. So thank you. 
Of course. Well, thank you so much, Scott, first of all, for um, having me on this podcast. Definitely um, during, you know, these difficult times, it has really given me something to look forward to, get dressed, you know, put on a nice shirt. So um, something I was absolutely looking forward to and um, got to listen to some of your podcasts and um, must say I've, I've actually learned. So um, <laughs> to be a part of this. So just a little bit about myself. Um, you've done a great introduction, but Yes, I was born and raised in Japan. My parents um, met in the U.S. My mother is American, and they got married. They moved to Japan, so I was born and raised there. And absolutely, that's really where my passion for skincare started. So my grandmother and my aunt, every time I would go over, we lived very close to them, um, I would just watch them take such meticulous care of their skin. It was never about makeup. It was always skincare. But, you know, being a girl, a young child, I think you always look up to other female um, older figures in your life. So I wanted to copy what they were doing. I wanted to play with the products. And they were so kind, of course, and kind of taught me what everything was. And not that I really understood the meaning behind it. It was just so much fun playing with it. And then, of course, as I got older, um, you know, it was like, oh, this prevents wrinkles from happening. Yes, this is great. I really want to do that. So really, that's where my fascination started. And then, of course, like you mentioned, it really is um, Tokyo, such a, such a great place to be in if you are in love with skincare, because we do see a lot of those innovations come from, um, you know, not only Japan, but from Asia. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward a couple years, as I began um, to go into my teen years, for really personal reasons, my parents decided that they did want to move back to the U.S. My mom, she did learn Japanese. It's so amazing to see old videos in her speaking Japanese because she moved there when she was, I don't know, 20 something, but That's not easy. <laughs> but I think it was a point in time where she wanted to be able to communicate to her children in English. So that really prompted our trip because um, growing up in Japan, I didn't speak any English. So then we moved to the US and that's when my father really started, you know, 20 the idea of bringing um, skincare. And at that time, there was no clean beauty. Um, I think even skincare on its own was such a foreign concept almost. It wasn't um, a typical routine or no one had a routine. It was a very makeup driven world. So you know, when you ask someone, what do you use to wash your face? It was like, oh, I use the bar of soap. You know, I use my shampoo. And that was really where skincare was at the time. And so I think there was this light bulb moment where, hey, maybe there is an opportunity to really market these amazing um, skincare products without the use of harsh ingredients. And that's what BOSHA is all about and where we were born. And so originally, um, when BOSHA started back in 1999, 1998, 
Um, it started out in our house. So one of the extra room was reserved as the BOSHA office. And I say this a lot, but my sisters and I used to fight because, you know, I wanted my own room, but I couldn't because that was always the designated office. Um, our garage was essentially where all the products were stored. So that's where our warehouse was. I would fold pamphlets, folders, samples, you name it, anything that I could um, get my hands on, I definitely wanted to help out. Um, and then as I entered in high school, this was a time where, you know, after school or on the weekends, definitely summer breaks, I would help my father out, going to local festivals, um, really doing whatever I could. And that's when I, I think I had another moment where I just became so passionate about BOSHA. So, of course, I always loved skincare, but that was the moment where I realized, hey, I really want to get involved in this um, and make it official. So, being in high school, I knew in order to really contribute to the company, I do have to get formal education. So, I went, um, and away, I went away to school. I came back. And then 2008, I officially joined BOSHA, but kind of a funny, well, it's a funny story now, but um, in the beginning, my father absolutely did not want any of this. He did not want me working at BOSHA. He thought it was the worst idea ever. Um, and to be completely honest with you, the reason why I got my first role there is um, there was an administrative assistant. I think she had put in her two weeks. They were scrambling, um, and I went and interviewed. With your dad. <laughs> and um, the, the general manager at the time came back and, I guess, told my dad, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. She's, she's actually too qualified for this role. She has a degree, but she's okay with the pay. I think, you know, <laughs> with it, I think we should take her. Plus, she's bilingual. She speaks Japanese. Um, okay really kind of worked out. So that's how I got my official um, entrance into BOSHA. And then from there, I've had every single role, I would say, in the company. I worked in marketing, of course, started out in customer service. I did some inventory and planning. I also worked in sales. And one of the other reasons why um, I do feel that I was so successful in BOSHA, at BOSHA is because I've had amazing mentors. And every time um, they had an opportunity to branch off um, to a different brand, do their own thing, I was always uh, a person that they went and spoke to my father about and saying, hey, I'm not going to take any of your other employees, but I want to take plan with me. Mm -hmm. And that then, of course, triggered my father and I starting to realize that, hey, I think she's pretty valuable um, in our operation. So then, you know, we would have to work out what that would mean. And so that was a way for me to um, elevate my role at BOSHA. I think the biggest moment for me um, at BOSHA was in 2010. And that's when I actually launched the Luminizing Black Mask. That was such a big moment for the brand and really put us on the map. Um, prior to that, of course, um, you know, we were gaining momentum, but the black mass is what really mm -hmm. put the brand off to the next level. And from there on, um, really started helping out in product development, leading marketing, 
And then in 2014, I became general manager. And then um, really around 2017 is when, um, you know, we decided that I'm going to go on and take on that co-creator um, name and title essentially officially. So yeah, this is a story that we can speak to outwardly to our clients. And um, that's, little bit about myself and how um, I got started at BOSHA. It's a great story. Um, a few things that I, I, I found that were incredible, especially the way your dad uh, and father, he ran the business, obviously it's his baby, but he didn't, he didn't just hand you the keys. Like you worked exceptionally hard to get to where you are. Yes, and you know, um, I don't, I don't know if it's because he's Japanese or if it's just the the Inomata way, but um, yeah, you know, I think for him, and I, I really have to thank him. He never wanted anyone to say, "Well, Lance, there because she's your daughter." Like, let's yeah. be honest. And I think in order to avoid that from the very beginning, he was like, "No, no, no, not going to happen." Um, and then when I had that one, you know, I was really that one chance where my pre predecessor let me come on as an administrative assistant. And I think from there, really, the doors open. But I would say more than anyone else, I felt the need that I had to prove everyone wrong. Um, I really had to. And of course, I wanted to because I love what I do. But um, I had to go the extra mile. I was always, you know, first one in, the last one mm -hmm. out working on emails when I was home, really putting in the extra effort to build relationships with the retail partners. So definitely, um, it was almost as if I wanted to prove him wrong, um, but it definitely, um, I, I can't thank him enough for just pushing me to um, where I am today. I think, I think it was smart. I think that, um, I think that, and I actually wasn't gonna bring it up. I, I thought the story was amazing. When I, when I looked you up on LinkedIn, I actually saw all the roles that you just discussed linked, like uh, listed out on your LinkedIn, and I was curious. And I'm like, like I, thought, I thought it was her dad's company. Like, why is she? But it makes sense now. It makes so much sense now. Absolutely, and that's so funny you bring that up because I even remember typing in those different roles on LinkedIn every time I got a promotion because I was so proud. And half the time, I know. He was the one that was like, no, we can't do that. In fact, I had one mentor who, this was years ago, she wanted to give me a promotion. And I guess dad told, my father told her no. And she said, you know what? This is so unfair. I know she's your daughter, but it's almost like reverse discrimination against her. She's doing mm -hmm. a great job. She deserves this. And, you know, he told me after the fact, but I just thought that was really funny that he really, you know, really went that far to object to something that wasn't. Well, he pushed you hard. And, and like, listen, now, now it paid off like years, years later. So that's very good. Very, very good. Um, so let's, so that's a great story. I really appreciate you unpacking that. Can you help me understand a little bit more about even how your father conceptualized and, and he had a dream. Okay, that's great. But how do you just come to a new country and build uh, a, like a global skincare brand? What's the experience? What's the strategy? Like right from the start. I'd love to know more about that. Great question. So um, BOSHA started in 2002, but we actually have a parent company called Funkel. 
Uh, they're based in Japan. They're a huge multi-billion dollar company. He was working for Fonkel at the time. And really their concept, and we do um, take a lot of their DNA and their messaging, is all about preservative-free skincare. So their angle is they market and uh, produce formulas for sensitive skin type women. So really the initial plan was to bring Fonkel to the U.S. And he did try that mm, okay. years, but due to packaging, um, just marketing, componentry, where the market was really with skincare, it didn't work. And so taking and learning from that mistake, but still wanting to take that fundamental value of this clean beauty concept, that's when Bosha was created. So really marketed towards the U.S. consumers. Packaging was larger. It was much more user-friendly. Um, it had more of a brand story. So that was where really um, the idea for, for skincare started. Gotcha. And then that, and when he took that to to the states, what what were the first steps that he did to start? I guess understanding the the U.S. market because it's not only it's not only starting a business. It's starting a business in a market that yes, he has like everybody has some concept of what the u.s culture market is like but still it's it's so much new all at the same time and it, you still did it successfully that's why i'm i'm curious as to how he did that yeah great question so um to be honest with you one of the first ways that we really started to get our name out there and be, of course this is prior to anything being digital was working with the newspaper company putting in samples and i remember you know driving around with my dad we couldn't afford putting it with the newspaper per se because there was like a co-op for that advertisement fee, but we would go right after the newspaper <laughs> and just kind of leave it right next to it. So, you know, we hope they would take it. Yeah. So that was um, something we did a lot of, and we did receive calls um, and fax orders when we did that initial run. We also partnered a lot with local festivals. That was a way to really get our name out there. But I do think in the very beginning, um, we really, really, it was such grassroots marketing. We were very hands-on. I mean, even cold calling is something that, you know, we tried. And then once we had more of an establishment, of course, we brought on PR agencies and had much mm -hmm. more uh, of an expert who, who were guiding us in the right direction. I do think another big breakthrough for BOSHA was when we, um, Got our first break and we're, we got we were being sold at Henry Bendel so that was really a big point for us um, it was almost um, advertisement to be able to have our product at such a prestige retailer at the time um, and then from there we were really fortunate to be able to partner with larger retail stores because our story was so unique and you know, no one heard of, what, what do you mean you create your products without paraben? Um, you don't have any sulfate. That's so interesting. So I do have to think, um, you know, some of our growth to these amazing retail partners that we definitely par uh, partnered with early on. Um, I would say within the past, you know, five, six years, actually more than that, for the past 10 years, Sephora had been, has been a, a great partner with us. So that was also um, a great opportunity. And then 
And 2008 was really the most exciting year for BOSHA in that we expanded our distribution. So up until then, we had been Sephora exclusive. That was really the only place we were sold. Um, so 2018 was a bigger. But to go back to your question, um, in the beginning, it really was hands-on. Um, and, and even thinking back now, it was so difficult because it wasn't, you know, the internet wasn't really mm -hmm. a thing yet. You know, there weren't influencers you could partner with. There wasn't um, really any type of digital presence. So we did partner, um, you know, with the uh, traditional ad magazines, things of that nature. So I, I just find it very impressive because when you, when you get massive market share and you take market share away from all these incumbents that are huge, you know, in the States, I think the, the product, the natural, like the natural components of the product, uh, grassroots marketing, but then you're obviously still, you're still killing it on social. Like when I look on social, like I think that your brand is probably ahead of people that have been around for much longer than you. So I think that you've always kind of stayed like ahead of that, of, of that marketing curve combined with the products. That seems to be like, a, it, it's, it seems to be common sense, but I guess common sense isn't common because n not a lot of people I find are doing it. I, I spoke to I spoke to somebody um, who was in uh, doing hair, uh, hair products, and it was the same thing. It was just a slightly different way of doing things and then understanding, uh, understanding the current marketing environment. And that just seems like it's so simple, but I see a lot of like legacy industries or legacy providers like not doing it so well. I just, I was just I'm thinking through it why some people have such an easy time like dominating social and whatnot, and that's really like a, a secret sauce once you have like the right product or whatnot. Um, very interesting. Um, okay, so where did I want to where did I want to take this? What did I want to ask you? Yeah, I wanted to I wanted to understand for that the charcoal mask. I think that's probably the one thing that um, that even I know you for, which is a, which is saying a lot because I don't know a lot about skincare. My skin my skincare routine is is whatever my spouse tells me to put on my face. So like I. <laughs> that's pretty much it so it, it all comes down from her but she uses your charcoal mask um and i didn't know this before we actually discussed like doing the interview and then that just so happens um so i guess where did the like that wasn't something that you were uh displacing it wasn't like this is like sort of like net new to where did that come from and how did you think through that and how did you take that to market definitely so um the charcoal mask Wow, what a game changer. So this was maybe 2008, 2009. Um, every summer, I do go to Japan to go see my grandmother, my aunt. And when I do take these trips, one of the things I love to do is, of course, go and, you know, check out skincare products. And one summer, I remember going there and all I saw was peel off masks. That was just the trend there. And of course, back in the U.S., Mass was not even a category that anyone mm -hmm. paid attention to. So I was really surprised and just infatuated by all these different masks they had. And then simultaneously on this trip, um, you know, my grandma, she, she obviously loves to share her stories about when she was younger. And the theme for this summer kind of was like charcoal. So she would just tell me all these crazy stories about how, and she would still practice this, um, how they would use it to cook their rice because it really draws out impurities. So that was something that, you know, she was teaching me. And then she would show me also how, you know, you can 
keep charcoal in your refrigerator and it really helps with the odor and whatnot. And so there was just all this conversation with charcoal. And then I really had this lipo moment where like, wow, there's all these um, different types of peel off masks. Charcoal just seems to be this magic ingredient that my grandma just keeps talking about. It's like toothpaste, just all these amazing uses that charcoal has. And then that's when I started wondering, hey, I wonder if we could put this, you know, yeah. and make a product. We came back to the U.S., worked with our team, actually came out with a submission, and it was, you know, the black charcoal peel-off mask. I remember at the time showing it um, to my boss. She thought it was a great idea. We then showed it to Gen, uh, my father, and he was like, you guys are crazy. There is no way, like, who's going to put this on your face? <laughs> and, and this was also at the time where you even walk in to look at skincare, packaging's white, formula's white, everything was so clean looking that he just didn't believe in it. But um, we were like, you know what, this could be really cool. The packaging was black, the component, the tube was black, of course, the goop was black. Then we went to, um, you know, Sephora at the time and pitched the product. They freaked out because of course skincare again just needed excitement and this product brought all of that it was of course effective it was fun it was different it was really disruptive and prompted actually um a campaign for sephora where every month they would pull a couple of um new products give them a space at the front of the store and this was one of the first products to be featured in that and then, of course, from there, um, the rest is history. You know, we sold out. We even saw a crazy growth in the mass category. Now, I think. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show, and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money, and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins, and I've been there, juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs, no more servers, no more updates, just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. 
I tried LinkedIn jobs and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours? That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E.com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professional to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Mask is master so common. We even see it, of course, in um, mass retailers. And that was that was it for us. And then from the success of that, we were really able to build a charcoal franchise. So that, again, put Bosha back on the map because, again, not only is charcoal such an effective ingredient, but really brought this fun element, adding color to the skincare space. And then what was really interesting is um, going back to the luminizing black charcoal peel off mask. In 2017, we just broke all the records because um, a social media video went viral and she was using the Bosch black mask. And that year, I mean, we couldn't keep up with the demand. So um, again, it just really uh, reiterated how um, successful and yeah. this mask is and how it's still relevant, I guess, um, today. Did you have, did you have any pushback? Because like, you know, even your, your dad said like, well, well, this is not what, this is not what people know. This is not what people are used to. And that actually ended up working to your benefit. But did you have any like, like hurdles or was it just, was it just like uh, Sephora loved it? Like consumers loved it. Um, I'm just curious because like taking a new product to that has no category and it being an instant hit, that's incredible, but that's very hard to achieve. So. Yeah, no, no, no. Great question. I think a lot of the hurdles um, we really experienced was internal from our manufacturer. Hey, I don't think this is going to work. Even, you know, from the marketing team, are you sure this is going to, this is, this is going to make sense. But I do think because it was so unique and there was nothing like that in the market at the time, when we did present it to the retailers, they, we both knew right away this yeah. work out. Of course, we did have to be very cautious as far as the instructions, um, usage. We even went as far as getting clinical testing results so that mm. way they does know hey, oh wait wow like this does really work it's not they're just not saying oh yeah it's gonna clean out your pores so i would say the biggest hurdles were just internally um reassuring everyone on the team like it's gonna work out don't worry we just have to get to the finish line and once it did launch um to be honest with you yeah we were very fortunate in that it was um it was very successful do you find do you find like people are like copycatting now like to oh my gosh yeah, yeah there's a lot of um copycats out there i would say um yeah it, it it breaks my heart but but it's also i guess 
you know, the most sincere form of... Like, it is, no, it is. It is, I guess, because you, you brought it now. Um, I think that people see the success and they probably want to, to emulate, for sure. Now, where do you see, um, I guess, you're, I, I would consider you an innovator because you're bringing new products that you're disrupting. Where do you see um, the industry going? Like, what do, you, what do you think is next? What do you think is going to be new? It could be by cause of the current situation, are, are trends going to change in, in beauty and, or is it going to stay the same new product? I'm just curious because you're, you're so into it. You're so deep into it. What do you see emerging trends in, in all beauty industry? That's such a great question. So a couple things I've been seeing is um, definitely I do see more and more brands, whether they're in skincare, hair, or in color, really um, jumping on this clean, safe beauty bandwagon. So any type of trade show you attend, they're all talking about, you know, are you a clean brand? Are you using good for you ingredients? So I think that's something that'll continue to be a big part in this industry. Um, for Bosha personally, um, one thing we're really striving for is sustainability. And I do see that being um, a big trend that's happening within our industry. So looking at component that's, you know, 100% recyclable, is it made out of glass? So I think that's another big trend people are moving toward. As far as skincare specific and formulations and products, I do believe um, we were at a place where uh, consumers were doing these 10, 15 multi-step skincare routines where I do think now um, the pendulum has swung the other way where people are looking for more of a product that has multiple benefits and usage. So I think that's always something um, interesting for us to look at. So rather than, you know, using four different products, is there something, is there a product where it, you just use one and it's able mm -hmm. to be some of the same benefits, but I would absolutely say the clean beauty movement, I don't think that's going anywhere. I do see a lot of brands um, changing their formulations to become part of this. And I think sustainability, we're going to continue to see, um, you know, not only from Bosha, but from other brands, how do we contribute uh, to just be more responsible in, in terms of what we're putting out there? I think that's I think that's a hundred percent on point. Um, now, my question again, just because you're so in this, the second you introduce new ingredients, there was a reason, in my opinion, at least, this is not I don't know I don't know what I don't know, but there's a reason why traditional ingredients were used because it was profitable. So, by introducing new sustainable ingredients, does that change profitability margins? Does it make uh, harder for new entrants into the market because it costs more to push a product out in like an already highly competitive, I would say beauty is very highly competitive. Um, so, so how does sustainability change, ch change the revenue and, and the dollar figures in the industry? Yeah, I mean, that's always something that we have to look at whenever we change ingredients or change component, it absolutely um, hits our bottom line. But what I've been finding through our research as it relates to sustainable components it actually can be more cost effective to go that route. Um, I do think some of these suppliers too are really hungry for the for these new for this business as well. So they're kind of willing to work with you. Um, as far as ingredients, that is always difficult because we do use the highest grade ingredients. So for us, definitely it is the goop that's driving a lot of this cost. So we do have to be really cautious, but what I really pride ourselves at Bosha is that we really search globally for the best ingredients. So 
we don't just settle for one ingredient. We always push back, trying to making sure, making sure that, you know, we find the best ingredient, but absolutely becoming sustainable um, can help out, I guess, depending on what type of vendors you're working with. Um, and then swapping out some of those ingredients absolutely can drive your cost. And I think What's kind of interesting in the beauty industry is there really isn't um, any type of regulation. So like mm-hmm. you mentioned, some of these um, more established prestige brands, for them, I believe right now they may be going through a process of eliminating some of those old ingredients and seeing, you know, what are some other alternatives they can use without, you know, essentially driving their costs. Yeah, very interesting. And I think that also um, the one point that, uh, you didn't mention, but I think that it's definitely helping um, people that do approach sustainability, even if you're spending more money on, you may not be, but even if you are spending more money on the product, I think that the the way, like our, our current retail environment, our current consumer cares about that and they'll spend more. I've noticed that like repeatedly, they'll spend more if they know that that brand stands for something that they believe in. So that's something to take away too. So it's, it actually ends up being a very much a win-win because you do have more sustainable uh, ingredients in the product, but also you have people that are willing to spend and support those brands. So it ends up working out well for everyone. Um, and I think that as you know, uh, uh, with with the access to information, I think that you have to be a little bit more transparent about what you put into your products, uh, beauty, uh, or or anything really. Um, and that's uh, that's something that I think people are really focusing on. Um, I'm super curious. Uh, and I don't, I like to make evergreen content, but uh, I can't, I can't avoid this question just because we're living through it right now. So obviously a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of companies are in stores, in retail, selling through retail. Um, you have a massive social media audience, so I'm sure you're able to sell online as well. What do you think is going to happen with the beauty industry? If anything, maybe nothing, but if anything, because of uh, coronavirus and pandemic and retail being shut down. Do you think that people are going to evolve or die or what's, I'd love to get your, your input. Yeah. Um, the, I think this has really been a big wake up call for all retailers. Really. Um, of course there is that dot com part of the business, but majority of the sales does come through brick and mortar. Um, so I, I, I do think that things will change and more focus will be put onto digital. I mean, a lot of the retail partners that, you know, we sell at, we are again at their mercy as well because these stores aren't open and that's where, where the sales come from. So I do think things are going to change. I think a lot more emphasis needs to be put on um, .com, whether it's making um, that platform much more user-friendly, offering free shipping, um, as just as a regular basis, but I do think this pandemic has really put some light on um, the problems that brick and mortar yeah. uh, are facing. And I think, you know, there was already challenges prior to this um, in terms of brick and mortar business. And this just really, really, I think, escalated those issues. And yeah, I think digital is really the way of the future. Have you um, now you're you're living through it? Have you made changes to your supply chain to to your focus right now, or are you expecting things like what's what's your reality for maintaining your your top line? Yeah, it's 
it has been, this has been probably the most difficult time we've been going through as a company. Um, definitely, you know, we had to make some changes and make some adjustments. Um, you know, fortunately, we do have retailers that are open, so that's been really helpful. But how do we, how do we still try to gain some sales? And, and so with Bosha.com, We've been implementing free shipping, um, doing more promotions, trying to get creative and, you know, having an influencer takeover. I saw you had a live influencer uh, yesterday. I, I went to your, your Instagram ahead just to sort of prep a little bit and you had somebody doing like the live takeover. It was good. Yes, Abby, yeah. Abby she's awesome. But that yeah. was another, um, just another creative way to help, you know, try to make some sales happen mm. but it's it's been very difficult and i think yeah. you know we are so fortunate that in 2018 we made the decision to expand our distribution because if we were reliant on one retailer at this point that would just be a complete disaster yeah 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 um, okay, so uh, that's very good. Um, I guess I want to just ask one last question about Bosha, and then I want to ask some more things about like you know your your life lessons, insights as an entrepreneur. But I just want to know where do you want to take Bosha next? Like, what's what's your next step for the company? Um, yeah. For Bosha, um, next step is definitely want to just make this brand a national brand, um, a household name, really offering clean beauty that's, you know, at an approachable price to all Americans. Um, we're also distributed globally, too, so that's something we have been working on. Definitely want to become an international brand as well. And then I would say another goal of mine for Bosha within the next 10 years is um, going back to sustainability. We really just want to make sure all of our packaging is sustainable, whether it's 100% recyclable or using um, recycled material. But I do think that's so important, and um, it, it is our responsibility to make sure that we're leaving um, a better earth for the next generations to come. Do you have um, Do you have any uh, like teasers or, or or ideas for new products, or is that not on the roadmap for now? Yeah, we. You know, when I say sustainable, I, I'm not definitely just saying it. We have put our words into action. So we actually just um, partnered with TerraCycle which is a recycling program. So this entices our um, customers to ship back, I believe it's five of their U or, um, empty pieces, and then we'll send them a free full-size luminizing black mask. We're also working on some launches for 2021, um, teasing out some possible um, sustainable material for componentry. So definitely some um, tangent actions coming your way. Very good. No, very good. Okay. Um, these are questions that I like to ask because I like to sort of like dive into, into the mind of like an entrepreneur and figure out things that you've learned. So one question I love to ask is uh, just one lesson that you tell your younger self that would help you get to where you are today, maybe a little bit quicker. Um, could be professional, could be, could even be personal, but uh, something, something that you tell yourself. Yes, I would definitely go back and tell my younger self that you know, if someone tells you no, that can't be done, that may be a good reason for why you should try it. And what I mean by that, I guess, is, um, sorry, let me back up, I guess. I guess what I would tell my younger self is to just kind of listen to your gut. 
So I had experiences in my um, younger career where, especially in regards to the brand, like, hey, Land, you can't say that your brand is better because it's alcohol-free. You know, you can't say that you don't use paraben because essentially you're putting down these other brands. And these were things that I would absolutely listen to um, and other, other advice too. But I just wish that I had listened to my gut and stuck to my original feeling, knowing that, no, this is, this is who we are as a brand. And we yeah. use ingredients for X, Y, and reason. But I think that could definitely apply to other areas where um, I think it was more of a level of a confidence. But mm -hmm. I wish I had, yeah, just stuck to my guts and listened to my inner self. I think that's I think that's a great lesson, and to I guess um, the the way that I would interpret that is just own own what you know is true, and don't be ashamed of don't be ashamed of if you are confident in whatever you're bringing to the world, it's fine, and and own that, and if you can own that, I think that makes you a stronger brand, a stronger professional, stronger individual. That's that's that would be my like takeaway, and I think that it, it's it's sometimes it's uh, when you're building out something that's so personal to you you do feel that like hesitation to say I'm better than this or I'm, I'm, you know, we're better than this or whatever. But if you are like you you, you show it for sure. And you better make damn sure that you actually are. But if you are like, just own it, like own what you're good at. And I think that that's something that you shouldn't shy away from, but yeah. Exactly. Yep. That's exactly what I was trying to articulate into words. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very well. Uh, no, I, I, I ask these questions a lot. So sometimes I have to, um, uh, you know, you, you probably don't do interviews all day. So I try and just take what you say and like, and, and, and turn it into to layman's terms. That's the best that I can do. But uh, no, is it really, it's a good answer. And it's really important because not a lot of people own what they're good at. What, and if, and that can, that can lead to so many issues in your career too. Like we're speaking about entrepreneurship, about building a business. Um, the biggest, the biggest reason for people not getting a promotion or a job or a raise is because they don't feel like they have the, the confidence to ask for it. Um, if you, if, even, even if you're going into a job, if, if you feel confident in your skill set and your ability, people don't go into a job interview. And obviously now times are a little bit different than we were six months ago. When we we're at the lowest unemployment rates in, in almost my, like my lifetime. But if you go into a job, you have to just own what you're good at and you have to negotiate and you have to stand behind it. And if you don't have somebody who's going to appreciate it, I'm speaking about job and, and employer, but if you're speaking about brand and customer, if you don't have a customer that appreciates what you're good at, then, then you're just going to be vanilla. So I think that, and no, you have to have, you have to stand for something. I think there's uh, the very cliche, like stand for something or fall for everything. Or I don't know, it's probably from some movie or someone famous. And I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to hate myself for not remembering where that's from, but it's, it's very relevant. I think it's very, very important to, to know that and to own your truth for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, last question I wanted to ask. So I've always found that people that, uh, are focused on building anything it could be themselves it could be a business they always have mentors they always have sources it could be podcasts could be audibles could be people uh, I would love to know um, first of all who yours are who your mentors or your people are but also are there books podcasts audibles that you could recommend to people who are listening um, that you like to use as resources to learn new things yeah, great question. So I'm definitely a firm believer in uh, having mentors. So definitely uh, previous GMs that worked here at BOSHA are individuals that I keep in close contact with. 
and um, definitely working within the beauty industries. There's also amazing female entrepreneurs that I have had um, the great honor of meeting, whether it's at conferences or at retail events. Um, and those are people I, I do like to keep in touch with. And every once in a while, again, you know, see what they're doing, what, 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 you know, what they're working on. And I think that really has helped me not only, um, you know, validate that what I'm working on is, is, is right and I'm on the right path. So that's a really great way for me to grow. Um, I also do, um, I'm part of, um, it's called the War Society, but it's local to Orange County, California. But it's just a group of women. Um, there's probably about 100 and so members. And they're either um, entrepreneurs or business, business leaders. And about every couple months, um, they put together um, a series where they have guest speakers come in. And that's just a great place to um, not only learn, but to network. Um, and through networking, I definitely have grown personally and just learned about things that I um, otherwise would not mm -hmm. have learned. Um, I must say, Scott, I, I really enjoy listening to um, your podcast. Um, the last couple guests you've had, um, what was his name? He was the self-help book, the, the chicken noodle soup. Um, oh, Jack, uh, Jack Canfield. Yes. Totally going to go, um, actually going to go purchase his um, audio book because I just found that so fascinating. Um, so I've been reading um, a bunch of uh, like 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 those types of books where it's more about self-help yeah um, and really as far as podcasts anything beauty related um i think that mascara is one that i listen to um so i do try to keep myself busy in, in that regards yeah well it's important so you know like the you mentioned a couple good points there but one of them like you just you're just diving down into the industry that you're in so obviously not everyone listening is going to listen to mascara, but like the, the point, the takeaway is like whatever you're in, like you have a resource that's, that's, that's teaching you things, constantly bringing you new insights in that industry. Um, I like my, my biggest resource is to listen to other podcasts and, and listen to how people interview and how they engage with guests and, and what people like asking and what people like responding to and what people like listening to. And that's, this is, you know, this is what I'm living. So that's how I do my research. But I think that, you know, for yourself or for anyone, if you're in an industry, find some resource that it could be, it could be just like high level, general professional development, personal development. Or it could be industry specific, and like that's also a really, really great takeaway. Very good takeaway. Yeah, yeah. For myself, I, I, I guess I get really, really um, deep into industry specific, but just really, yeah. Whether it's following competitor brands and just really yeah. learning, you know, what they're doing, what type of social activation. But you're doing. always learning. That's the thing. That's that's the, that's so important too. <laughs> um, uh, if if you oh, actually I'll ask uh, I'll give you I'll give you the floor is there anything that we didn't mention that you wanted to to bring up so one thing we are really proud here at BOSHA um, of course in the in light of this awful pandemic we're living through is that we have been donating uh, products to essential workers essentially frontline healthcare workers we've probably donated over several thousands of moisturizers we know that has been an issue for these healthcare workers as they have to wear those masks for very long hours. And really that's what prompted this initiative. And so we're very proud of that. 
Another thing we um, recently did on social media is we did run a contest asking individuals to nominate um, essential workers that they felt you know needed uh, a care package. So we ran that contest and we were just overwhelmed um, with so much nominations that definitely uh, brightened our day too to be able to participate. But you know, whatever whatever small efforts we can make, we definitely want to contribute and help out. And we're just so grateful and thankful for all those um, essential workers out there that's that's out there while you know we're staying home and um, doing our best to stay safe. If people want to learn more, uh, contact you. Can they, or how should they, or how, how do they learn more about BOSHA? Like, where would they go? Absolutely. Um, they can find us um, at bocha.com online. And then I would say definitely Instagram is a great place. They'd probably receive a much faster respond rate if you just DM'd us at Bosha. And then, um, yeah, if they want to find me, I'm also on um, social media at LandWinky. That's all for today. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of the Success Story Podcast. You can download or stream this podcast wherever podcasts are available, including iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and many others. You can also watch this podcast on YouTube. If you haven't already, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends, family, coworkers, and peers. Please leave us a rating on iTunes. It takes about 30 seconds as it allows other people to find our podcast and lets our amazing guests reach even more people with their message. And remember, any rating is fine as long as it contains five stars. I'm Scott Clary from the Success Story Podcast, signing off. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it. Each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash Clary. That's netsuite.com slash Clary. Hiring as a small business owner is a major pain. That's why LinkedIn is supporting today's episode. You need people with the right skills and experience, but finding them can take forever. It is incredibly frustrating to keep seeing candidates who just aren't a good fit, and that's why LinkedIn Jobs has been a game changer. Let me tell you a little story. We needed to hire a graphic designer, somebody with specific tech and software knowledge and the ability to truly understand our brand. And I started with all the usual job boards, and it's the same old story. Tons of irrelevant applications. No one's really matching my needs. 
I tried LinkedIn jobs and the quality of candidates was just on another level. People with impressive portfolios, relevant expertise. I finally felt like I was interviewing the right people. That's truly the power of LinkedIn's massive professional network. You're tapping into this huge pool of talent you simply wouldn't find on other sites. It's about finding those niche candidates you actually need. And with the right people in front of you, hiring becomes a breeze. Did you know that 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate on LinkedIn jobs within 24 hours? That is how well their system works. Honestly, do yourself a favor and try LinkedIn jobs next time you're hiring. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash excellence. That's linkedin.com slash excellence. Terms and conditions apply, but it's definitely worth trying out. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. 
Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. 